Hello everyone and welcome to another episode of Cricket with an Accent and uh, yeah no sake this time around so I've once again taken on the hosting responsibilities like I did for the one IPL broadcast that we did uh, a couple of months ago so yeah uh, I'm joined by Kiran who was there last week hey. welcome Kiran hello yeah and making his debut on this platform is Bharat Ramraj whom we fond- fondly called the encyclopedia of cricket on Twitter. Don't it, put it's a actually been trying to get Bharat on board for quite some time now but somehow couldn't work out due to maybe some time constraints and maybe last time around he was he almost made it but then had some health issues at last minute so couldn't make it but yeah. great to have you uh, on board finally. Thanks. Bharat. Thanks. Thanks. Right. So I think we probably just got a little too formal there. So yeah. We can we can start this I think. So Yeah, in the last episode, we had discussed about in detail about the Indian team and their preparations and then their chances for the series. I think this this episode is uh, primarily meant for discussing the English side. But I mean, since there was a warm up match that was played this week and some very interesting comments by the Indian head coach Ravi Sastri, I guess we could probably just you know uh, briefly touch upon those issues before we move on to the detailed English discussion. So. Yeah, I think India played a three-day warm-up match against the county side Essex, uh, and uh, the match was originally scheduled for four days, but uh, it, the, a day was cut off by the BCCI due to some concerns uh, regarding the uh, quality of the outfield. And uh, yeah, some talking points in the match: Shikhar Dhawan, India's first choice opener, bagging a pair, lasting a grand total of four deliveries in the match. Chiteshwar Pujara's issues continue from uh, where he was in the county circuit. Still doesn't have a 50-plus score in the first-class format uh, in England this year. And uh, Virat Kohli scoring a, a, a very fluent half-century, so that's def- that's definitely a positive for India. Uh, KL Rahul scored a half-century. Dinesh Karthik, Hardik Pandey also among the runs. Uh, Jinkya Rahani got a couple of starts, but uh, I mean... Uh, got out cheaply in the first innings and, and was uh, not out in the second innings uh, when the match match was over. So, yeah, I think what what were your takeaways from the warm up match, Kiran? And, and how do you see the uh, lineup uh, shaping up for the first test? I think the, uh, they definitely now knew what uh, if they are going to have Dawan in the side or not, at least in the playing eleven, because. He definitely seemed to struggle to the moving ball when uh, KL Rahul was slightly better uh, than Dhawan. But today's comment makes it even more interesting. So we, at least I for personally thought Dav, uh, Rahul will be even looked at playing at number 3 or number 6 or somewhere in those positions because Pujar is also not uh, either scoring runs and he has a uh, long string of small scores in the county cricket as well. So from the batting point of view, I think uh, they have a better understanding of what Dhawan could do in these conditions, especially how the build-up towards the edge baston is looking at this point, from the weather point of view and the way England is also shaping up. And for me, the biggest plus point would be the way Bumesh Yadav bowled in this series, in this warm-up game especially. Uh, in the absence of Bhuvaneshwar Kumar, there is always doubt of how India is going to start if, it, if they have useful conditions like they were in Cape Town, where only Bhuvaneshwar Kumar was able to make good use of it. Uh, Jasprit Bumar wasted the new, new ball. Mohamed Shami wasted the new ball. 
if not for the four wickets that bhuvneshwar kumar took in that first one session then south africa would have, would have absolutely crushed india in that first day so if umesh yadav can take at least a bit of what bhuvneshwar kumar could do with the new ball in those conditions then it is helpful yeah apart from that uh, nothing much came out of that form up series doesn't it i don't think india has gained a hell lot from the warm up three day warm up game that they had one major positive for india coming out of the warm up match is the form of murli vijay who scored a half century and bharat i know you have been a big fan of murli vijay's technique over the years and you've expressed on twitter about your disappointment about how he has tweaked his game to you know try and probably fit into the uh, indian setup or something but uh, yeah i mean murli vijay finally amongst the runs after a lean lean uh, period in the warm up match uh, for the india a match rather against the english lions and uh, some very interesting comments today from ravi shastri about kl rahul being the third third opener and and later later on uh, went on to say that uh, that, that they are very flexible with their batting lineup and they, you probably can expect a few surprises so what do you have to make of that murli vijay batting and then ravi shastri's comments saying i mean what kind of yeah. what kind of surprises uh, are in store for us on wednesday see murli vijay as i said in an interview to cricket buzz as well just a few days ago that he perhaps had that shuffle because he wanted to experiment in south africa but after the first test in cape town i think he didn't have that shuffle for the other two tests for some reason he again bought that shuffle back against in the game against afghanistan but uh, based on that interview he gave to cricketers it seems like he won't use this shuffle for the test series he said it was a sort of experiment and he has gone back to his original sort of economy of moment where he would just move towards uh, slightly towards the off stump and leave a lot of deliveries he was also think, talking about that uh, something related to memory memory means uh, that you have to keep thinking in your head oh next ball i will leave the next ball i will leave this this sort Muscle of thing helps yeah this sort of thing helps it seems so he was saying and that thing too so murli vijay perhaps has gone back to his old style of batting that was economy of moment where uh, don't be like trigger a sort of thing where you just have that shuffle to try to move towards the off stump from there perhaps he was having some issues with regard to releasing that corridor of off stump corridor outside the off stump as far as davan is concerned as you know ravi shastri and think tank they seem to be a huge fan of uh, shikhar davan because they look at that a particular uh, word they use that in ten i i hear that uh, i i heard that word a lot of times so keep repeating that as well on twitter that word in ten so shikhar dhawan looks set to play because there's also thinking as sanjay manjrekar also perhaps one said and a few experts also believe that if shikhar dhawan gets in uh, then he can get a hundred or in a session or something <laughs> perhaps then uh, india will win that test so but but with regard to shikhar dhawan or say rohit sharma this two this two batsmen play according to the line of the ball so for example if it is slightly outside off then uh, we look to play the drive so it's, it's not someone who will cover for the angle or the movement uh, so basically this two batsmen play on the up or through the line so that is why when there is some movement uh, they tend to struggle so as far as surprises are concerned well i uh, already i always said that with regard to rohit sharma with regard to ravi shastri and uh, 
Virat Kohli and the Indian team management it seems to, selection seems to be lottery. So in one one game maybe X player might play in the other game that, that X player might be dropped. For example, KL Rahul was dropped in the final game inexplicably, or for the matter even Kuldeep Yadav I think was dropped in one of the games in T20 the final T20. So. You can expect anything and everything from this uh, think tank with regard to their selections. <laughs> so, yeah, something. So let's move on. Yeah. Yeah, hard to pitch. What what sort of selections they will come up with? Maybe Pujara might be dropped after the first or second test if he doesn't do well as well. Yeah, I think reading between the lines, it does seem that I think. KL Rahul will probably miss out the first test because I think when when you say he's the third opener, that means you're basically saying that Shikhar Dhawan is absolutely certain to play. And then you go on to add that I mean, you know, that he that they are flexible with their lineup and he could play anywhere in the top four. That means you're probably putting pressure on Pujara because he's definitely not going to replace one of the two openers. Going by what Shastri said, so it's probably a toss-up between Pujara and Rahul for the number three slot. And going by what. Shasti said about Pujara and about backing him and you know giving giving him the confidence to play his natural game and all that. It does seem that Pujara will probably start the series and KL Rahul will probably be on the bench despite scoring, despite being one of the best batsmen for India in the warm-up match and also showing some decent form in the limited overs matches. So yeah, very odd decision, but I mean not something that you would, uh, not something unexpected with this duo, I guess. So yeah, let's move on to the English side. And there are some even more interesting calls uh, over there. And the selection of Adil Rashid in particular has sparked a huge furor in England. Uh, there's been a war of words uh, um, uh, between Rashid and former England captain Michael Vaughan on Twitter. And Adil Rashid is pretty much lashed out at Vaughan saying that his comments don't matter and that he's stupid and all that. And uh, yeah, but there has been uh, a major sense of disappointment, both uh, among his county and I think the general county cricket followers at large that selecting a guy who's basically retired from first-class cricket uh, is is gets picked based on a couple of one-day international dismissals by dismissing the best player of the opposition by bowling a couple of good deliveries and he suddenly gets into the test side ahead of those guys who've been playing county cricket. Uh, we've been toiling hard in county cricket uh, throughout the season. So, I mean, the, there is, uh, you get the feeling that there is a sense of tension uh, between Rashid and his county and county cricket followers in general. They are pretty miffed uh, about the county game getting sidelined because we've already seen the first class matches being pushed to the margins of the season with England prioritizing white ball cricket in quest of their uh, maiden World Cup possibly next year and uh, now this is probably a further indictment of their attitude towards the county games so what's what's your take on that Bharat and how do you see uh, his selection Adil Rashid one, one, one point you have to always consider is that England perhaps don't have too many options in this case of course there is Jack Leach Leach had a, had a thumb injury at the start of the season after that, he was hit on the head, uh, hit on the helmet by Moni Merkel, and he had some concussion. So, he hasn't bowled much this season. Perhaps he's taken five or six wickets in county cricket. I don't know uh, around that figure, around five, six wickets. Even Dominic Bass hasn't taken too many wickets. 
So first thing to consider is that there are, there aren't too many options going around in English in the county circuit as far as spinners are concerned. And uh, then then you also look at the fact that yes, Adil Rashid in his own right has improved. Obviously, he bowls lesser number of long hops, fewer fewer long hops these days. Secondly, perhaps he brings stumps more into play. But what goes against Adil Rashid is Indian batsmen generally play leg spinning as well. It's not like Adil Rashid is the next Shane one or something. Suddenly he can come in. Even Shane one, of course, Indian batsmen handled him well right from the time. So from Dilip Sardesai's to Sunil Gavaskar's to Venk Sarkar's, right until Azuruddin's, the Tendulkar's, the Lakshman's. Or for the matter, even the current lot, maybe they are not in the same class, but they are all pretty good players who leg spin. I don't think leg spin really works. As far as Adil Rashid's comments against, uh, as far as Yorkshire's comment against Adil Rashid is concerned, I think they have, uh, they, I think they have a point there because uh, he didn't play in the first class in first class games and he pretty much had taken temporary retirement in that sense. So that statement they made, I think, uh, was they they have a point there, and. Uh, as far as Michael Vaughan is concerned, he, he makes a lot of comments. Uh, I don't really <laughs> take into consideration <laughs> the kind of comments he makes because he has made some some really strange comments. So I didn't really check out what he actually said. But uh, I would I would have gone for perhaps Leach because Indian batsmen, as I said, they play leg spinners really well. Even if other series improved, they play leg spinners really well. I just get the feeling, I think, uh, watching cricket around the globe these days, that I think wrist spin has become more and more of a limited overs art form. Because I think the old cliches would probably tell you that wrist spin is go for runs, and they're better suited for test match cricket, and, and that limited overs cricket is not meant for them. But I think that has probably undergone a sea change over the last four or five years, especially with the two new balls coming into effect in the uh, ODI format. Because, yeah, yeah wicket, wickets, wicket, wickets obviously getting flatter, and finger spinners are pretty much being deemed redundant completely. And, and you've seen most of the top spinners in limited overs cricket these days are wrist spinners. Um, and you look at Radul Rashid, Rashid Khan of Afghanistan, Shadab Khan of Pakistan, and you've got Imran Tahir. But I mean, if you look at all these guys, none of them are actually successful test bowlers. I think the only exception, uh, and he's the only successful wrist spinner. Uh, in world cricket right now, in test match cricket, is is Pakistan's Yasir Shah, and he hasn't been as successful in the limited overs format. So there are very very few spinners uh, who can actually bowl well in both the formats right now. I think uh, you had Ashwin and Jadeja were probably decent in both tests and ODIs for a while, but they're obviously out of the limited overs setup for almost a year now. And yeah, other than that, I don't think there is any spinner who plays both formats. You've got Nathan Lyon. Australia only plays test match cricket, doesn't play the shorter formats. So yeah, I mean, Rangana Herat only plays test cricket for Sri Lanka, has retired from the shorter formats. So yeah, you can just uh, check around the world and there is no spinner who seems to master both the formats. So this is going to be a really, really tough ask of Adil Rashid for someone who's retired from first class cricket to suddenly come in against the by far the best spin playing lineup in the world, especially against wrist spins, you rightly pointed out. And, and uh, come out and bold with the sort of control that you need from a test match spinner because limited overs cricket is a completely different ball game. You know, you can probably just bowl a couple of loose deliveries and you can probably still get away with it. 
in an over because the batsmen are probably trying to overhit you sometimes and you just tend to uh, sometimes tend to miss it or miss out on the balls. But in test match cricket, when the batsmen are a lot more patient and they're just looking to milk you around, I think other Rashid is the type of bowler who could easily get taken around for four or five runs in over without uh, taking too much of a risk. So I think I'm not too sure about the selection. I mean, even leaving all the principles aside of not playing first class cricket and all that. I think even from a purely from a cricketing perspective, uh, whether he's the right choice for this game against the Indian side who have a history of absolutely murdering Rispin, I'm not so sure. I think Dominic Best, I think, uh, I mean, he did bat well against Pakistan, but uh, I mean, didn't really impress with the ball, even though he just picked, I think, three wickets in the second innings of the second test, but I think those were mostly tail end wickets after the match was pretty much decided, so I wouldn't read too much into that. But I think if he had us pick a spinner, I would have probably just gone in with Mohin Ali uh, as the sole spinner. And maybe if they wanted a second spin option, I think Jack Leach could have been a good option if they wanted the guy who can turn the ball out the other way. Uh, they can get in the left-arm spin option. Or if they wanted to look at the future, there is a guy who's, uh, who's been doing well. It's Amar Singh Virdi, who's been doing really well. I believe he plays for Surrey, I think. That's a yeah. And he, he's taken wickets that he's, he's only 19. He's taken wickets at 25. This year, but he's been by far the best spinner in English county cricket. So I guess he is someone that they could have possibly looked at uh, if they want to build for the future and plan for future for continental tours and all. But obviously, understandably, they don't want to risk a, a teenager against the Indian batsmen. So I think, yeah, I'm not too sure about the Rashid selection, but they could have gone with someone like Leach or. Yeah, someone else. So yeah, Karen, you've been quiet for a while. Yeah, yeah. I was just thinking, so, yeah, I mean, uh, so if the two spinners idea coming to ECB only because they, the tracks are going to be drier, if that is what they're thinking, and if they look at these tools as more like subcontinental tools, then they could have at least stuck to one spinner who has more control and at least who had success against India when they last toured here, that is Mohin Ali. They could have stuck to him and then gone for a out under pace bowler in Jamie Overton maybe. So yeah, they could have, they could have tried such combination rather than knee uh, bent on taking two spinners into the side because India are definitely going to play spin well irrespective of how good they were unless they it's a track like a Pune one. So that is something that I did not understand. Not it's very hard to think through that uh, what went through in that selection meeting. Yeah, I think it's probably, you know, they probably just get spooked by the, all the suggestions of the dry conditions and the typical of speeches being dry. All of the things that you're in course park for snacks. But I think now, yeah. with some much needed rain coming over the weekend, I guess the scenario changes and you probably will see only one spinner in the game. But I think, Kiran, I think just to further illustrate in your point regarding Moin Ali, uh, Moin Ali has been a very consistent performer at, for England at home right since to the 2014 season when he made his debut to call those wickets against India. Mm-hmm. Been very consistent at home, not quite the same bowler when he's overseas. Has had decent series with the bat overseas. He scored a couple of hundreds when England toured India in 2016. Mm-hmm. But with the ball, he didn't quite have the same impact. I mean, if, I don't think there has been a single uh, tour away from home where Moin Ali has done I well. The, I mean, what what is it? I, I, what is it that makes Moin Ali so successful at home? 
uh, and um, what goes wrong with him uh, when he goes overseas and what kind of an impact you see him making in this series it depends on kind of start that he gets from jimmy anderson and stuart broad if they don't give them good uh, if they don't take uh, wickets up front then moin ali is going to struggle because the moment batsmen start putting pressure on moin ali he is not the same bowler he is he loses control and start bowling the wide of very wide of off stump and then start bowling half volleys and stuff like that we saw that in the t20s and one of the odis also but when mark wood and willy gave a perfect start in i think in lords and uh, in headingly moin ali was much better had much better control i think i noticed the same thing in the south africa series as well on both occasions hainokun was kept getting out and then there was constant pressure from at least jimmy anderson and chris wokes on the south african batsman and moin ali was able to rip through south african batsman of course elgar doesn't play spin that much well but Uh, yes, South Africa don't play spin well these days. Yeah, but Elgar is someone who doesn't play spin at all. So he had uh, <laughs> he was able to get through Elgar pretty easily, and then they, he had Quinton de Kock and all the, all these poor players of spin to work with. But it all depends on the start that he gets. Even in the 2014 Indian series, the many of the Indian batsmen got out to Moin Ali attacking him rather than I don't think he even have one wicket where he beat someone on his defence. everything was no, someone playing short and then getting getting caught uh, in the close in fielders or the fielders at the boundary i think so, there were quite a few catches in forward for player yeah but yeah that is something which yeah. is going to be very important and he didn't get the same thing when india england toured india in 2016 as well so england were not able to take wickets up front or when he came in batsmen are all are well set so he struggled to get through get through the line of when that is the case uh so bharat i think uh, I, i know you're a big fan of jimmy anderson you've been supporting him for like like lot the better part of 15 years now on social media against critics for, uh, and obviously i think over the last 7 or 8 years he has done well all over the world in his uh, probably confounded all his critics but yeah the critics just don't seem to be fading away do they Yeah, so I think Jimmy Anderson, he seems to be struggling with some sort of a shoulder blade issue that I mean, even I'm not qualified to talk technically on that issue. And Stuart Broad also managing some fitness concerns, I believe. And Stuart Broad, I think, gave a comment today that the workloads might need to be managed over the course of the series and that England might have to adopt the rotation policy and all that. So how do you see that panning out? Do you see them, you know, probably... start rotating them right from the first test picking only one of them or do you think they'll probably start off with both of them and then just see uh, and then just let let things take the natural course of action and see how they pull up after the test or do you think they'll be proactive and will probably be slightly conservative right from the start for resting one of them and do you see both these guys lasting the series and also probably if possible we can illustrate a little bit on the shoulder blade injury that you can probably just enlighten our viewers on that one yeah both bowlers of course are facing long standing injuries as far as james anderson is concerned he has a shoulder blade problem so shoulder blade is a stress fracture of the shoulder blade that's for us at the right at the back of the shoulder so what is a shoulder blade shoulder blade is something that uh, i think it links uh, 
the upper arm but the bone of the upper arm bone and the collar bone so so had the stress factor of the shoulder blade which is actually a rare one in at least with regard to humans maybe in sports science there's just one one such case i think with regard to shoulder blade injury uh maybe actually you will find it more with the uh, race horses race horses where it gets some shoulder blade stress fractures uh, i remember one paper that there's a detailed paper on it uh, somewhere in 2007 december i think that particular discussion happened between december 1st to december 5th with regard to a shoulder blade injury and even there they were taking taking into consideration uh, examples from race horses so shoulder blade injuries pretty much a rare one so in terms of this uh, they will give perhaps six week rest and uh, that's what ecp have followed here six week rest they gave to james anderson and uh, after that perhaps they uh, they had some he had some rom exercises which would help to which would ensure that his uh, joints would function better so, and yes he played in a couple of games county games uh, one was in a second 11 game and the other one uh, was versus uh, yorkshire in a roses match i watched a little bit of that uh, game uh, james hansen spells uh, of course he was coming back from an injury so he bowled some ordinary spells in between he bowled a few good reserves as was expected but one point uh, i felt good about hansen was he was hitting the trees and driving through it and if if you are a pacer if you drive through the crease pretty well then you must be feeling at least decent about your body at least good about your body as far as broad uh, is concerned yes, he has that uh, long standing ankle problem i think he bowled his 19 overs in that game against worcestershire after that he had that ankle problem and they had two three scans on him and uh, they didn't find any major damage so obviously they both will start as uh, both of them are key components of the side uh, james hansen nowadays of course uh, pulls a lot of that subtle gets a lot of that subtle sea movement that spread seam delivery so uh, someone very important for the side this control is got better and when stuart broad i felt uh, since that ashes he's worked on his bowling looks like he has uh, gone back to slightly side on action and uh, He was getting good shape in New Zealand. He was getting a little bit of swing as well, a little bit of swing. So that is something to note. I think he was uh, England's best bowler in Pakistan. Though Anderson also bowled well by taking nine wickets. So they obviously will start, but uh, whether they will last the entire series, uh, that's hard to tell because these are long-standing injuries. If James Anderson, for example, he wants to, he can retire with 540 Test wickets right now, but uh, I'm sure he wants to play right-handed in the Ashes 2019 with so a backroom staff. has to just patch up and uh, just patch up his injury as long as possible that's what i would say he's also i think just 23 or 24 wickets away from breaking glen mcgraw's record yes. as leading yeah. leading wicket taker among fast bowlers in test match cricket i think the key thing to note about this series i think more so than any other five, five test series is that i mean it's not just five tests but it's just it's five tests which are cramped basically i think in six yes. weeks which is which is quite ridiculous really. i mean if you compare it to the ashes or i mean i think ashes is probably the only other fighter series that is played these days so i think if you compare it to the ashes ashes is probably at least a, a week and a half longer it's probably played over seven seven and a half weeks and that gives the bowlers enough time to recuperate from the tests but this time around i think the the longest gap that you have is probably between the second and the third test i believe or maybe the, between the third and the fourth there's hardly a seven day gap 
uh, and two of the test matches will be back to back. I think the first and the second, uh, and the fourth and the fifth. The, these tests will be back to back. Hardly a three-day gap between the two. So unless the test matches are really short, which which could well happen if the ball seems around and the, uh, the two batting lineups collapse and we could have a three-day test match, that's always a possibility. But I think assuming the games last uh, the whole five days and the pitches are flat, then I think the recovery between matches could be really tricky for these old, old, old guns. And uh, yeah, maybe I think I don't really see how both of them can play back-to-back tests right now. So that's something that England will probably have to think about. Yeah, so coming to the English batting, I think I think we we yet to touch upon the other two seamers in the bowling attacks. So I think, Kiran, if I, if I could just get your views on Sam Curran, who who played against Pakistan, made his debut, and he's a left-arm swing bowler. Not not the quickest going around, but I think he he bowled decently. I mean, there was some conflicting views among English fans. Some thought that he was way too slow, and just another 75 miles per hour trundler. The county county cricket trundler will probably get exposed overseas. Some were a bit more optimistic because they have some finally had a left-arm or to add to their battery of right arms. So, what do you what did you make of him in that test match, and how do you see him going uh, if if he gets an opportunity? Before the Pakistan test match, also I think he had a very good game against Yorkshire in the county championship. So yeah, as you said, he's a swing bowler, and he sometimes seems it can swing it one way and then just angles it angles the ball the other way like Mohammad Amir does, but at a lower pace. Uh, Interesting thing is in the I think in against India A game uh, after certain point of the uh, match I think he found some kind of a reverse swing or some maybe conventional swing with the dupe ball towards the end of the innings and then he just ran through the India A lineup so uh, maybe he has that knack of picking up pickets when he is in good uh, when he feels good maybe he can just run through the side because I. Uh, distinctly remember he running through the top order of Yorkshire. Uh, maybe that was the damp part of English English county season. Could be. I think he bowled Chitesh Pujara through the gates as well. Yeah, yeah. He, he 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 got a lot of top so, order Yorkshire batsmen in that match. After that, I think he was picked for the second Test match against Pakistan. Yeah, as you rightly pointed out, he was he looked a bit early to the side. He was uh, not as we expected him to do. Yeah, we'll see. I'm not sure. With, if so, the is he your pick dry, for the third seamer, or would you go in with Jamie Porter? I would, I would rather go with Jamie Porter. I would rather go with Jamie Porter. Yeah, Porter has a good nip backer. So he's also a right armer. So and many of these batsmen have problems with uh, nip backers and the ball. At least, at least Murli Vijay got out to Jimmy Anderson in the last series for the many of his in swingers. And even in the India A game, or uh, I think in India A game, Jamie Porter got him twice in two innings. So and I think both of them were LBW the balls. Yeah, yeah. Yes, and, one ball one LBW. Okay. Yeah. And so yeah, uh, who who's your pick among those two, Porter or? Uh, Porter. Maybe. Uh, I mean, assuming assuming both Anderson and Broad play, you have to pick one out of Porter and uh, Sam Curran. So who are you picking? I would take Porter maybe this time. Uh, I just have a feeling. Mean? I just have a feeling that they yeah, India would be able to play Sam Curran better. 
Yeah, I will definitely go with Jamie Porter this time because he's pretty much a grass wicket specialist from what I've seen. He nips it back and perhaps the hard ball is straight and, and if he rotates in the India game as well, he got Vijay Fold and LBW. I don't know whether he was using the shuffle or not. Uh, his last season, he did really well. After that, he had one, I think, back injury. That is why he wasn't in contention for the Ashes. Of course, he perhaps wouldn't have been selected for the Ashes, but he wasn't even in contention because of that injury. He's uh, returned and uh, he's not been bowling as well as he did last year in county cricket this time around. But yeah, he's someone who's very useful on wickets with grass. As Simon Harper once said uh, in an interview, I think, that he, he, he suddenly remembered Van uh, uh, Flander when he saw little bit of Jamie Porter, of course, his teammate at Essex. So, someone who can get that little bit of moment off the pitch and usually finds, usually find, if there's anything in a pitch, you usually will find it. Uh, as far as Sam Curran is concerned, yeah, he's, he's a good swing baller, he gets, little, he gets late swing from what I've seen a couple of times. But perhaps he doesn't use his balling arm, non-balling arm well, so he doesn't really drive through that. So, that is why perhaps he doesn't have that extra pace. Maybe if he works on his non-balling arm, perhaps he can get a yard or two quicker. As far as uh, this test is concerned, uh, yeah, I will go with uh, Porter as a third seeder because if there's any grass on the wicket, uh, if he's balling well, I, I feel he will be lethal in such surfaces. But yeah, the key qualification in your point about Porter is grass on the wicket. So yeah, I think grass. there has been talk in all over England, even among England fans, that they're worried that this is going to be an Indian summer. It's hot and dry and they're going to get dry wickets with Kuldeep Yadav and Ravi Chandranashwin raging them all over the pitch and bowling England out. So I think there has been some rain today and I think I believe yesterday as well and the summer rain will pass tomorrow as well. Uh, so I guess that probably changes uh, a bit of the equation. But I mean, I just wanted to get your insights on pitch preparation because you've been working on cricket journalism for the last four or five years. You've talked to curators regarding pitch preparation. And uh, is it possible to produce a, a green seamer even in this hot weather? I mean, now that there has been some rain, obviously, uh, it, it does change a little bit. But if the, the weather remains hot, I mean, if it remained hot, would it still have been possible? to produce uh, the kind of green, green seamers that we have seen, say, for example, in South Africa, we saw at Cape Town. Is it possible to produce that kind of a track in England? And how long will the uh, a, a green tinge on the pitch last if, if it is hot and baking throughout the course of the test match? And, yeah. I mean, and how does the last-minute rain affect these preparations? Yeah, we saw in the Cape Town test itself, in drought-like situation, he got a track with a decent covering of grass, live grass. That also grass where it was standing straight and it was thin. So if it's standing straight and thin, obviously it will move around a little bit of seam. So use that borehole facility there. And uh, yes, uh, it's been today. And as far as pitch preparation is concerned, when you think of Bermuda grass, uh, the ideal temperature is around between 32 degrees Celsius to 35 degrees Celsius. So it's not like, uh, so there are other types of grass like fescoes grass, I think, if I'm not wrong with the pronunciation. Uh, it's, it grows in cooler temperature, maybe around 15.5 degrees Celsius or 16 degrees Celsius. 
but uh, in terms of uh, bermuda grass which is usually used for cricket pitches it comes around 32 degrees celsius i asked this to the curator in uh, mysore so it can grow grass but obviously yes they have gary barwell at h baston he is a very uh, very experienced curator uh, I, i remember correctly he was appointed in september 2011 as the curator and uh, before him there was uh, rouse rouse i think and that was the time when the tracks used to be on the drier side if you remember correctly kevin peterson cracked that uh, impressive 153 on a dry track 158 uh, 158 uh, he hammered really current with that switch it so those were the days where there were some dry tracks but since gary barwell has taken over i believe he, he sort of waters waters the pitch a lot more than compared to rouse so that should keep the sort of uh, pitch fresh in the as you waters and uh, they also use cannabis lamps in at edgepaston uh, somewhere around january 2014 the west midlands police caught a few thieves who were growing illegal products in terms of cannabis and uh, there they were using cannabis lamps so this police of course they don't have they can't use this cannabis lamp so they requested they asked football ground creators of football grounds or cricket stadiums whether they want to take this cannabis lamps and uh, since then you see even in uh, football grounds at rockdale cricket rockdale football football club they use this cannabis lamps or at edgepaston in the ashes 2015 they use this cannabis lamps where uh, they keep it at strategic places even in the night Uh, so they would keep it at strategic places which would uh, sort of book the pitch and that would mean extra moisture in that which won't sort of evaporate or disappear so it's uh, is proved to be very useful for this uh, edgepaston groundsman but the main factor to consider with the uh, barwell is he waters the pitch a lot more so if if it, if it had turned to be a hot summer then the heat wave was around perhaps it would have uh, they would have been able to grow grass but on day 4 or perhaps around that time you would have seen uh, the pitch uh, sort of helping existing spinners with a little bit of creep but i'm not sure if uh, a grassy sort of pitch like with live grass you would see both teams uh, lasting for say four days or even uh, maybe at best they will last for three and a half to four days so it might not even last till that uh, but definitely rain will bring something else into the equation in the indian team as well they have to think about perhaps changing their playing 11 they should surely would have thought of bringing in kuldeep yadav into the side yeah so if you get up so do you think this last minute rain helps england with regards to the pitch preparation or doesn't make much of a difference because it's just come two or three days before the test match and the pitches will probably be covered in any case so do you think it makes a difference or not much of, not much of a deal it should make some sort of difference that's what i believe uh, and also you have to remember that they use this uh, sub air systems this test right sub air systems that vacuum power systems which suck water and moisture 36 times quicker so some sort of rain the one or two days before before the test match definitely should help in the england team from england's perspective yeah i think uh, i think edgbaston has seen coming completely different type of tracks for limited overs matches i think india was particularly good record at edgbaston when it comes to the shorter formats they've done really well in the champions trophy uh, which has seen some really spin friendly wickets in jadeja and ashwin 
2013 Champions Trophy yes. final, and even in a couple of they matches did. last last year, uh, they had a good time. I think I believe at Edgbaston, where the pitches were on the dry side. But yeah, test match cricket obviously yeah, a complete. Yeah, maybe that didn't water much during those two uh, those two matches. It's always believed that Edgbaston, if you don't uh, water water frequently, uh, it tends to lead, leads to cracked up surfaces. Even when Rose was there from 1994 to 2011, we saw some cracked up surfaces. Uh, I remember that surface even in 1995 when West Indies took on England, there was a really cracked up surface on which Bishop and uh, Walsh ran through England. So perhaps uh, they didn't really water in water well in 2013 or. Uh, that the match you just uh, yeah I think limited overs cricket obviously a different ball game altogether I think with the red Duke's ball and the pitches having a little bit of grass I think it, I think you're right we could well see a probably three day or four day test match like we saw in the 2015 Ashes and yeah so uh, Kiran I think assuming that we do get some green wickets uh, uh, in the test series uh, do you think the toss is going to play a crucial factor do you think that the teams that win the toss will look to bowl first, or uh, it doesn't make too much of a difference as much as it does in, say, New Zealand, where bowl first pretty much seems to be the default mantra for every captain. But in England, we've had some mixed results, I believe. Even on green tracks, teams have won batting first, like India did at Lords in 2014, and even against South Africa last year. That side batting first won three of the four test nights, even though the pitches were on the greener side. So do you think the toss is going to play a crucial factor in the series, or... Uh, uh, English, England is probably a country which is toss neutral. Very difficult to tell actually. So it depends on how the pitch uh, behaves on day four and day five mostly. Uh, I think uh, in if, I'm not sure if you can compare the Cape Town wicket to the English wickets. Uh, in Cape Town, there there is a ri- rain on day three, full day. So the wicket on day four was much spicier than it was in day one. So that made it difficult for uh, South Africa to bat. But the uh, fact that South Africa batted very well in the day one, they they were actually helped by even though they were poor on day four. So even in the Lord's test against India, uh, England were poor in their first innings bowling. So India cashed in. Ajinkya Rahane scored a brilliant 100. So they had a head start there. So, and then uh, I think uh, England had a better batting conditions, but then it started uh, slightly. Uh, Lords, I think, uh, spins a lot more in nowadays. So it it helped the uh, team batting. Uh, it didn't help the team batting um, more. So yeah. it depends. Uh, Lords like, has always been a bad bat for us, I believe. I think yeah. before the Pakistan. England Test match, I believe the side batting first and before the uh, Pakistan England Test and the West Indies England Test last year, I think these are the last two tests that have been won by the side bowling first. But before that, I think if you go back, I think there are probably hardly one or two tests in the last 15 years that I believe that have been won by the side uh, bowling first. So, Lords is definitely a bad first venue. At Baston, I think uh, that tends to be a, a slightly more balanced when it comes to the toss results. Uh, same is the case with Oval. Uh, I think Southampton, you don't really have much of a data to go on because there's hardly been any two or three test matches played there. So yeah, I think, uh, so now moving on then finally to the English batting lineup. So England have gone in with Keaton Jennings to partner Alistair Cook at the top of the order. 
Uh, he played in the last test against Pakistan. Got a start, but didn't really get, go on to get a big score. Uh, he is the guy who made his debut against India in 2016. Scored a very good 100 on a turning track at, at the 1K day in Mumbai. And then had a torrid time against Vernon Philander last year. Uh, uh, in the first couple of test matches after which he got dropped. So do you think that he has made the technique right technical adjustments that are needed uh, to face the Indian attack uh, this summer. Uh, I think it will probably be helped by the fact that there is no national Kamara, I suppose. So, <clears throat> one of the things that I personally felt worked against him uh, as Philander was he almost had this you know premeditated defense. So he gets his uh, foot, front foot forward and then just moves the bat around in the direction that the ball moves. Since Philander being a seam bowler, so so he did not have enough time to react to the what the pitch, what the ball is doing. So that uh, so he had uh, that trouble against Philander. If you remember well, he was he was pretty he did pretty okay against Rabada in one of the test matches when Philander was not there. But then again, got out to a loose shot. But uh, in the recent match against Pakistan, he. He looked much better, but I still feel he has that premeditated defense. So someone like Ishan Sharma, who generally gets to seam the ball more more than swing, would be better, would do better than uh, say Umesh Yadav maybe, who is likely to start in place of Bhuvneshwar Kumar. So I would think uh, Ishan Sharma should be should trouble Keetan Jennings. I think he also got uh, Keetan Jennings in the Chennai Test match twice, right? And both the innings, he went chasing the wide ball after. A series yeah, of deliveries yeah. which were at the stumps. So yeah, I think Ishan Sharma would be a good go at Keith and Jennings. And, and uh, going on with the other contentious, yeah. Uh, Joe Root had this conversion problem when he last toured India. That's when that's where it started. So I'm looking forward him to get that set. Maybe get a big hunter like he did again in South Africa when he started as a captain. And uh, but he also in in the recent uh, test matches that he played in uh, England, he he went chasing for the balls wide wide offside off stump. When Hassan Ali got that old ball to swing a bit, he struck. He went chasing, and of course, Morna Markle beat him right up front in the in that famous series where he was the standout bowler. And, yeah, probably he yeah, should look at not playing too many shots like. Bit more like Visa's case, in my opinion. Should should uh, look trust his defense and play uh, good shots and not uh, go for this uh, extravagant drives for the balls which are wide offside. And I think the interesting thing with Joe Root seems to be that he seems to have a major issue when it comes to converting his fifties to hundreds. But his his conversion rate from hundreds to big hundreds and one fifties and two hundreds is actually quite good. I think, I think he's got like something like 14 test hundreds, I believe. Yeah. And I think more than half of those have been 150 plus. So he's got a great record in his terms too. Once he gets past that mental block of 100, he generally goes on to get a big one. As you pointed out, he got 190 out against South Africa, I think last summer at Lords. He got a big 100 against West Indies as well. I think he got a double 100 against Pakistan a couple of summers ago. Uh, you know, it was 254 at Old Trafford or something. Yeah, he scored so, yeah, a 167 against India last hunt. time. Yeah. Scored a 167 and 120 not out. Many big scores, but 
nowadays he goes uh, he chases those wide balls a lot he did that against modern oracle he did that against hassan ali in england which which for us is most relevant and outside england he had other issues but in england he most uh, his frequent dismissal nowadays is chasing the ball wide wide outside of him yeah i think that that's more to do with i think his form this season i think this year hasn't been all that great uh, i think up until the last couple of four years in india because he didn't really have a great county season i believe before the pakistan tests that continued into the series against pakistan even though he was looking a decent touch as you pointed out couldn't quite go on to get the big scores then came the series against australia which was pretty much a slog fest there almost all the english batsmen were scoring big runs and joe root was probably slightly left out a little bit because he was not quite uh, he didn't quite fit in, in the big hitting uh, league of of the likes of barrister and roy and hales and all those guys so i think this the last couple of four years that he, the hundreds that he got on challenging wickets against him i think those are the kind of knocks that joe root really needs to get back into his rhythm because he is the type of batsman who enjoys the challenge i always believe that he's probably a better batsman when when the ball is doing a little bit where he can probably be a little uh, a little bit more focused rather than on flat tries but i often feel he just things just uh, seem to happen too easily for him and then he just tends to throw it away a little bit so yeah should be very interesting to see how he goes this summer so i think regarding the other contentious spot in the english batting lineup that is david malan uh, had a great ashes series last a winter uh, scored 100 at the wacka but uh, didn't quite i uh, didn't quite get going against new zealand had a torrid series against pakistan as well but has somehow managed to retain his spot i think presumably due to a couple of fifties that he got in the english lions game against india i believe so bharat i think coming to you uh, do you think he's the right choice for england at number 4 he doesn't have a great first class record didn't have a great summer last year uh, against uh, South Africa, or even against the West Indies, I think a couple of fifties. But overall, his record wasn't really convincing. First-class record doesn't seem all that great for a guy who's probably in his thirties. So yeah, do you think he's a long-term option there, or do you think they would have been better off going for someone like a Dan Lawrence or a Joe Clark or Liam Livingstone? I think these are some of the young names that have been doing the rounds. David Malan, of course, has been around for long. The first time I saw him, perhaps. as around 2008 he came across as someone who had a little bit of spark in terms of fighting spirit uh, he likes to cut and pull of course is one bred in south africa so uh, someone who likes to pull and cut uh, that's something which helped in australia good tactical player at the wacka scored a hundred uh, and again even at the gabba was pulling well before he got out to that uh, pull shot of his so someone uh, doesn't really perhaps have that game for english conditions where it is seeming round uh, as i said the one good point about him is he's a bit of a fighter uh, once he gets in he's not someone who will throw his wicket away uh, there are some good batsmen going around of course there's also sam northwest i like his style of batting perhaps he could have been given a run as well uh, so yes they, i don't think it's a long term option but uh, perhaps kept faith in him because they want to see continuity in, in this case uh, certainly more suited for uh, perhaps australian and south african conditions is uh, not exactly someone who perhaps will do well in uh, probably will do well in english conditions with this sort of technique yeah 
and i think uh, the other major talking point uh, regarding english selection during the last series uh, and that was somewhat similar to the adil rashid issue uh, josh butler getting selected based on his ipl form for this test series against pakistan and he ended up doing quite well scored a couple of very crucial half centuries for england in tricky positions and uh, made made a huge impact in that series i think he was probably the best batsman in that series so i think the issue once again arises when it comes to josh butler he is basically a specialist batsman batting at number 7 and you've got johnny verstow who's keeping wickets and is batting at number 5 so karen i think do you think it would make more sense to for them to just swap their batting positions around considering that johnny verstow doesn't seem to be in any mood any mood to give up the gloves so maybe have josh butler batting at 5 taking on a more uh, specialist batting role and have verstow in the traditional keepers position at number 7 uh, the thing is johnny best is a much better uh, test batsman than josh butler in my opinion and i i just feel india doesn't have a plan to get out johnny best they couldn't do him until they got that bounce in the mumbai uh, track in the five test match series but for josh butler they have a plan probably india is the only team which uses having that mid on and uh, extra mid off and then Uh, keep the ball at the fifth or fourth stump line where butler just shuffles and then starts driving so I, so with I that got out the, i think yeah, got yeah. out like that a couple of times mitchell stumping the ball and then 15 ashes as well yeah but uh, india used them perfectly i think he got in three consecutive one day edge against india when england were in india last time even in these uh, even in the last four day also there are one or two drop catches uh, around that area so india have found that weakness of josh butler pretty well and they don't have anything anything planned for uh, johnny besto in my opinion i have not seen them execute a plan in any of the test matches or odis that india played against uh, johnny besto so and he is a good player of spin is uh, and he also played kuldeep very well in the second odi uh, second t20 i guess uh, and he's definitely a better uh, test match uh, batsman than josh butler so i would definitely have have johnny best at the same position and probably not expose josh butler to the moving ball or any kind of uh, movement that indian pacers might get then he's not the same josh butler that we know i think the only point regarding that is i think that india missing just big bumrah i think who would have probably been the right kind of bowler for josh butler I think he because he's the one who gets that shape back into the right-hander, and he's got that extra pace that can probably hurry Josh Butler. I think the one weakness in his batting lineup, uh, in his batting to... technique, is that he probably just tends to get a little bit hurried by the pacers, uh, but extra pace and and as you pointed out, he has that uh, knack of chipping chipping the ball to um, I think mid on the mid on region. So I think they could probably. Ishan Sharma, I guess, is someone that could probably look to do that. But I think I think the Mr. Free Boomers. What I was suggesting with Butler at five is that probably he's better equipped to handle the spinners. Perestro is a decent player of spin as well, but I think uh, he he could probably be even more destructive coming in at number seven against the second new ball and really uh, go after them. Whereas Josh Butler could probably be at, coming in at number five when the ball is you know probably semi old. probably around 50 60 over old and he can just come in and uh, take on the spinners and uh, even the seamers with a slightly older ball i think that that is something that might be 
worth considering in my opinion but yeah i think not probably not not a big deal i guess yeah i think jasper so, yeah. bumrah would have been good choice against johnny bairstow as well i don't think in any of the odis india has one seamer who consistently gets the ball uh into a right hander so and they almost kept on bowling that fifth or fourth time when johnny bairstow kept on smashing them and johnny bairstow had certain weakness to the ball that has that is coming in so that could have worked but ishan sharma could do that but i'm not sure they actually found that till date yeah, i think ishan sharma i think when he is i think when i saw ishan sharma a few years ago i think he was getting that uh, i think he was bowling those kind of makaya and feeling lengths that he was getting the ball to uh, uh, get getting it back into the ribs of the batsman i think these days he seems to be bowling more much more fuller length seems to be so more of a yes swing the ball i think he's probably become more of a more of a bowler who gets batsman out in the out caught in the slips rather than getting the ball back into them that so, works perfectly yeah. in england anyway so. it's all a good inswing uh, in the warm up game i saw him bowl a couple of good inswings so. yeah so, so yeah that's interesting so i think if he can get that shape back into the right hander then i think he could probably cause issues for both butler as well as pairs too uh, bharat i think regarding alistair cook i mean we all know alistair cook has been a great servant of english cricket uh, over number of years uh, his form i think over the last 3 or 4 years has been sort of fluctuating uh, ha- ha- has one good series and had a couple of horrendous ones uh, had a, i think a looked decent enough against pakistan without really going on to get those big scores after what was a pretty torrid winter for him despite getting the double hundred at the mcg on an absolute highway uh, ha- but i think he seemed to be getting that front foot stride uh, against pakistan didn't he so i mean he got a hundred against the big india a side in the match that he played for the english lions i believe uh, so yeah i think what do you make of his form and do you think that he has now made the technical adjustments to have a, a big series against india especially with i think bhuvneshwar kumar who's generally been at the bane of most left handed openers all around the world not not playing at least the first three test matches and quite possibly out of the entire series with him out of the series do you think the road is set clear for alistair cook to go on and have another one of those big series that he's had against india in the past yes so in the last this is bit of a surprise to see Alistair Cook driving a few times. That's something we don't usually see with him. He's someone obviously hangs back in the trees. So that is something that goes against him on quicker tracks where perhaps you will eject if you hang back in the trees like that. It's happened with him a lot of times. Even in New Zealand, Trent Bolt got him out with him hanging back in the trees, caught in the trees. So that was something of a surprise in the last test in the first innings when he was driving. Uh, driving to the covers in the second innings of course again got out lbw to abbas and uh, even in the leads test he sort of hung back slightly in the crease uh, but uh, yes alistair cook is looking in decent form perhaps see the thing with alistair cook is it's pretty much three shots there's a flick shot uh, the cut and the pull occasionally he used to play the sweep i don't think he plays sweep much so he's someone who is a so i said plan Uh, set plan. If it's going to be short and wide, then he's going to cut or on those lines. Otherwise, he has to keep leaving the reserves if it is on a fuller length. So 
he has to get into that sort of uh, zone, that method. That is when Alistair Cook decided his best. Perhaps in the last three or four years, uh, at the back end of his career, he's not been able to get into that uh, sort of zone. Uh, we have always seen that uh, even in the 2010-11 Ashes with his triggers, he had that set zone where he would look for deliveries that would be short and wide, and then he would cut it. Otherwise, he would leave most of the deliveries. That is something that he is uh, missing within perhaps slightly slower to prod forward whenever he occasionally does it. Uh, obviously, pronation or doing there should help Alistair Cook. Uh, there are other balls, maybe Ishan Sharma, if he goes round the wicket sometimes or if he balls a fuller length because he's generating some swing. Even in the Afghanistan test, I surprisingly saw him swing the ball. Uh, that is a bit of a change for me. And uh, so Alistair Cook yes, looks in decent nick compared to uh, how we looked in New Zealand. And in some tests in Australia, even in New Zealand, trend bowl was all over him like a rash. So, yes, he's in decent nick. I expect him to get one or two good scores. Uh, but over a five-match test series, maybe it would be around, perhaps he would have raised around 35, around that mark. So, yeah, just to add an interesting thing about Alistair Cook, I think with regards to his, the pattern of his career is that I mean, early on in his career, he used to be a much better player away from home than at home. If you look at all the big series that he had early on in his career, he had a great series against India on debut. Then he had that outstanding series in Australia, where he scored, what, 750-odd runs in those five test matches in 2010-11. And then I think the series against India, obviously, where he scored nearly 600 runs in four test matches to lead them to a famous series when in his first series as full-time captain. Some of Alistair Cook's best performances early on in his career historically have come away from home. But I think if you look at the, his trend over the last four, four or five years, I think he seems to be doing much better at home. Uh, he had a decent series, actually he had a quite a good series against South Africa last year on what were some really tricky wickets against a high-quality attack, even against mm-hmm. even the Monimokal had his number a few times. I think he played one in Philander quite all right. He was generally very, very effective against the left-handers. Played Rabada, just uh, played Rabada pretty well as well. And uh, so, yeah, I think Alistair Cook has done well at home in recent years. Uh, had a pretty good series against Pakistan as well in 2016. And, and, and yes, I think he showed some decent form uh, against Pakistan in the series that was just played a couple of months ago. So, yeah, I think interesting times for Alistair Cook, probably yeah, nearing the end of his career. Maybe that is perhaps because on quicker wickets, if you people of course say you need a good back foot play, but you also need a pretty good front foot play because if you keep hanging back in the trees, then definitely because of the bit of pace in the wickets, uh, you will get you will you will obviously eke out some edges, the slip garden. So perhaps that is why he hasn't done well away from home, even in New Zealand, uh, he was hanging back in the trees. So yeah, and in India he hasn't done well. So, Hasn't yeah, done well in South Africa or New Zealand. Yes. I think the surprising, yes. most surprising series was his failures in the subcontinent. He didn't have a great series. Yes. Bangladesh. So had his number. Uh, and even Jaleja in India. Yes. Even in India. And even in India. I think and the last looks like, uh, yes. yes. It looks like he doesn't play that sweep shot anymore. He used to play it quite a bit when he would get in. When he would be under the pump, he would play that sweep shot quite a bit. But nowadays... 
is he doesn't seem to be confident to play that sweep shot maybe that is part of the reason why he didn't do well against Ravindra Jadeja in India because he's all constantly under pressure with Jadeja bowling uh, bowling sometimes on the rough and uh, he wasn't able to get away from it I think the one thing that could probably go in Alistair Cook's favour this time around is that India don't really have a left arm bowler because I think if you look at Alistair Cook for the last or the last year or so, I think his issues, and I think it probably goes back even further. He, he, st- he seems to struggle most against the left armers or or the right arm seamers who can probably bowl from around the wicket. He had problems against Mohammad Shami in the last series. One more. He had problems against Mohammad Shami in the 2016 series. He edged him yeah. quite a bit in Rajkot, and he got a beauty of a delivery in Vizag, and I think he had a bit of problems in Mumbai as well. Yeah, yeah. Mohammad Shami did trouble him in this in that series, but Mohammad Shami away from home doesn't seem to be the yeah, same yeah. bowler that he is. And I think yeah. uh, I think you pointed out that dismissal at Wysak, where if if I remember correctly, the ball kept low, and Alastair Cook just played down the wrong line it and ended up missing it all and stuff. It so I think that 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 is something that won't be as much of an issue for him in England, where the bounce will be probably a lot more truer, and he can just probably you know, play 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 on the front foot and. And Mohammad Shami, I just don't think he's he's the same bowler right now that he was in 2016. Uh, his fitness level seems quite questionable. I think he didn't bowl really well at all in the warm-up match, and had a I think had a poor series in my opinion, even though the numbers may suggest otherwise. In South Africa, where he's largely ineffective in the first innings of all three Test matches. Uh, so yeah, I think Shami, I think he should be able to handle him all right. Uh, Ishan Sharma, I think, as Bharat pointed out, I think if he if he can come in. Around the wicket and and you know angle the ball into Alistair Cook, then I think he could probably get him into a sort of a tangle. So it's generally also swing. It is interesting. Yeah, and Alistair Cook seems to be struggling with that. Uh, seems to be struggling with that angle. I think Onemokal has troubled him, and obviously the left arm was Mitchell Stark, was the one who really had his number uh, against us uh, in the series in the Ashes series last winter. And in the one test that Mitchell Stark didn't play, he scored a 244. So I think you can probably just see how much of a difference it makes to have that good left armor or right armor who can probably just angle it into him. So I think India don't really have a left armor. They don't really have anyone on the horizon either. So and Omneshwar Kumar, I mean, even though he doesn't bowl from around the wicket, he is someone that is generally quite lethal against left-handers. Even from over the wicket, I think he is someone that Alastair Cook would definitely be very glad not to be facing. So I think if he can handle Ishan Sharma all right, I think Alastair Cook could have a really good series. But I don't think Omesh Chadhav is the type of bowler who will tra- trouble Alastair Cook. I don't think he bowls the lengths and the length to trouble Alastair Cook. Mohammad Shami, as I said, I'm not really convinced by him in these conditions. And Ashwin, I think Ashwin is someone that Cook has generally played well even in the subcontinent. So I, I don't think he will be. Uh, a cause of concern in these conditions. Maybe if Jadeja comes on uh, in the later half of the season and the pitches turn a little bit, then maybe those old memories of struggling against Jadeja in India could probably just come back to haunt him, or maybe Kuldeep Yadav could come in probably offer a different kind of challenge. But I think if it's these four, then I think Alastair Cook looks pretty. I think I won't say a big series, but I think it looks good to have a decent series probably. I think since Kuldeep is slow. Alistair Cook's back foot play might help him a lot, so he should be able to play him well, like Johnny Bairstow did in that second T20. So, Kul- I don't think Kuldeep might cause that much of trouble to Alistair Cook 
like Jadeja did because Jadeja was a lot quicker to the air so he couldn't get on to the sweep shot yeah but I think uh, Alistair Cook has never really faced Kuldeep before so that you always have that unknown element especially yeah. you know facing a bowler for the first time we saw in the first ODIs when you know Kuldeep pretty much ran through the English batting lineup as also in the first T20s so maybe if he gets one test and if he is bowling in the first innings where uh, and half of the test lineup has never seen him before then I think he could possibly cause issues but I, I don't think he will start in the first test match didn't really bowl a lot in the warm-up matches in the warm-up match rather and the pitch uh, as we I think all expect uh, as we all expecting it to be more on the greener side than on the drier side with all the rain around so I guess uh, that that is a discussion for a later date so yeah I think we've covered pretty much I think each and every member of the English squad in detail, like we did with India last time around. Maybe not. So yeah, thanks. Now, 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 time for some predictions, gentlemen. We missed yeah. Ben Stokes, didn't we? Leading run scorer, leading run scorer for you. Sanket, I think we missed Ben Stokes. Yeah, sorry, sorry. Ben Stokes, I think Ben Stokes. Uh, is, he had a torrid series uh, <laughs> record against India, except that one twenty that he got in Rajkot. Yes, yes. He didn't score much. Hard to think he had any weakness against or any bowler though. The interesting thing with uh, Ben Stokes seems to be that he had, uh, I mean, he's been batting I mean, quite subduedly since ever since he returned from that incident, incident that, I mean, it's probably best not talk so about here. He had he played a pretty decent innings, I believe, in New Zealand when they were trying to save a test in the, in, in the first test. Uh, eventually, ended up in win, but he played quite well there. I think even in the one of the ODIs where it was on an absolute bunsen at Wellington, I believe it was, uh, uh, England defended something like two thirty odd to win the match. Ben Stokes actually made a decent contribution, scored a half century, I believe, very slow one, but in the end, on that pitch, it turned out to be quite a crucial innings and we saw in the recent ODI, the first ODI that Kuldeep Yadav ran through the English topper, Alistair Cook, uh, Ben Stokes rather, once again dug in for a half century but again it was way too slow by uh, almost any standards in ODI cricket let alone the 2018 standards. So yeah, I think he, he seems to be getting some runs but we have not seen the old Ben Stokes when it comes to the hitting ability, someone who can murder the, someone clobbers a cricket ball and murder uh, bowling attacks. So this seems to be a more subdued version of Ben Stokes as, as, as far as batting is concerned. As a bowler, he is pretty good. As a bowler, he is pretty good. He got crucial breakthroughs in uh, against Pakistan in the Lord's Test match as well when they kept on dropping Jimmy Anderson's uh, the edges that Jimmy Anderson got of Pakistan batsmen. He bounced off uh, Babar Azam and Ashad Shafiq who were well set at 50s. So his bowling is pretty good after he yes, came back. in the second division game, he recently bowled yeah. well for that and he took a five, five wicket haul like in the winds. Yes, yeah, took the six wickets in the match, I believe. Yeah. Eight wickets. Eight, 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 eight matches. Eight wickets, yeah. So that, that sounds yes. good. I think from a bowling perspective, it's looking good. But again, I think there are off-field distractions here. He, he will miss at least the second test at Lord's, that is confirmed, due to his hearing. Uh, and it, you, you never know how long that hearing will stretch, so maybe could, he could quite possibly miss the third test as well. So, yeah, I think he's playing the first test. I think that, that's, that's something that we know. 
but it will be interesting to see whether he can you know keep those distractions aside and come out and perform to the best of his ability and probably you know play like the flamboyant big hitting Ben Stokes that we usually associate him with associate associate him with so yeah i think yeah so i think moving on then so i think let's 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 get to the predictions then uh, i think we covered each and every player from i think both the squads so yeah leading one scorer for the series india england and overall kiran I would Putting wait till the, the first test match and see the pitch and then predict anything. And <laughs> you can't sit on the fence. You can't uh, sit on the fence. Come on, come on, take a call. Okay. Uh, I'm expecting Johnny Bairstow from England and probably Murli Vijay from India. Okay, Bharat. Well, I would also like to sit on the fence. <laughs> <laughs> but I still have a feeling maybe can we run there for us wait for it to get it one one second okay, i have a i have a thing okay. to discuss so stuart broad in the interview that just got published he said that he had a look at uh, he had analyzed the indian batsmen and he didn't feel anything uh, uh, unorthodox about kohli's technique so he's saying we can keep things simpler and then attack him from both the ends and then still be able to keep him quiet That seems quite an interesting comment, doesn't it? Okay, then... <laughs> think, uh, then, of course, uh, I would go with uh, Rahan, I think. I think I know Kohli has his issues with the income of the league. The sheer hunger for us on maybe slower wickets, I just have a feeling on slower wickets, I just get away. Yeah, he should be. Able we need, to I believe, we need a little bit of pace in the wickets uh, with this technique to get him out. Okay, so, so I, I'm just completely extremely boring here. I, I'll just go for those safe bets. I was actually going to say Rahane before Bharat changed his opinion. So I just have to sound something different. I'll go with Root and Kohli. So yeah, leading wicket taker then. England, India. Uh, Karan. I'll go first. Uh, Stuart Broad for England. and uh, Ishan Sharma for India for sure. Uh, okay. Both for Prashadu for India and uh, yeah, James Anderson. Okay, I- I'll have to side with Kiran here. I-, I think I'll go with Ishan Sharma for India definitely. With England, I think the fitness obviously remains a major question mark. But if I have to pick one among Anderson and Broad, I'll probably go with Broad. I think this fitness I think seems to be a little bit more short than Anderson is. seems to have that shoulder blade issue and road i think always seems to do well against india i think at a great series even in india last time around when england got smashed around, i think road was probably one of the great series though i mean not 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 quite a great series in that sense not but i think it's probably it's probably the leading wicket taker i think and in comparison to some of the other bowlers i think he's probably he bowled really well in wise act he bowled really well in wise act that opening spell along with jim sanderson was really good he got dropped Uh, I think many times he was injured. He was injured for the next two test matches. 